All right, Rabbi good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking our sponsors, our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of year, Yonah Shashi Ehrenfeld. In memory of Yonah's grandfather, Yosef Ben Shmuel Aaron. Mark Karstadt, in memory of his mother, Hannah Bas Shragai. Our week of learning sponsors, the Kiwi family, in honor of all the men who helped make the Shiva Minyanim through Mr. Kiwi Shiva. Ari and Shoshana Lerner, in honor of the Bar Mitzvah of Yosef Chaim, in Meretz Hashem this coming Shabbos, B'Sha'a Tova Umitzlachos, and in memory of, and uh, the Shul dedicating in memory of the yard site of Rabbi Gavant Minarav Chaim Fridol Ben Reb Yitzchak Dov. We hope that in the merit of our Tamatara, all the Neshamas will have an Aliyah and the families a Nechama. But say with that, let us begin. So we have a beautiful daf ahead of us today. Uh, today's daf is Yud Zayin, and we are actually picking up Emirat Hashem on daf Yud Zayin. So we'll say, so remember again, continuing a little bit, although it's only going to be on Ahmed Aleph, then we're going to get back to some of the more normative or regular sugyas, Emirat Hashem on Ahmed Beis. But we are beginning right now with a dis- continued discussion. So remember again, the Gemara says as follows. Ravada, so second line, Yud Zayin Ahmed Aleph. Ravada, Breit Rav Yitzchak Amar. So remember, we got into this whole discussion. We got into this whole discussion based on the location of the Lishkas Hatiloim, right? That that's how this whole thing started. So namely again we have this chamber in which we keep the lambs. Right? That chamber, ultimately right, the lamb chamber, the lambs being used for Kabanas, the carbon tamid. So remember again, we began with a stira, uh, a contradiction in terms of the location of the Lishkas Tiloim. So on one hand we had our Mishnah in Mesechas Tamid, and the Mishnah Mesechas Tamid says that the Lishkas Hatiloim was in the northwest corner. The northwest corner, and then again, the Mishnah in Meseches Midos said that it was in the southwest corner. So that 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 machlokes is what kind of fueled this entire ongoing discussion between two different versions in general of we'll call it uh, based Amikdash real estate or based Amikdash location, based Amikdash layout is the better word between Meseches Midos and Meseches Tamid. Right, so that, that, that has been, that has been our, that has been our springboard for conversations. Now the Gemara's jumping back to that for just a moment, focusing once again on this Lishkas Hatiloim. So says the Gemara, Rav Adarit Rav Yitzchak Amar, Hi Lishka, this chamber, which we're again, the Lishkas Hatiloim, Aktsuye Maktsye. So we'll say, this is very interesting. If you take a look at Rashi, Rashi about halfway into the wider lines. Interestingly enough, Rav Adver Yitzchak says, this Lishkas Hatiloim is a bit elongated, right? Essentially, it extends towards both directions. So in fact, what Rav Adver Yitzchak is saying is, there's actually no stirrup. There's no contradiction between Tamid and Midos. But rather, again, I will say, as bef- when we started this discussion, we thought of the Lishkas Hatlam, as we're going to see in just a moment. Because remember again, in yesterday's death, we, we spoke about the we spoke about the base Hamokad. Right? The base Hamokad was the, the large square, right? The, we'll see it in just a moment, the large square. Opposite the Mizbeach, opposite the Mizbeach, in the middle of it was like where they had this large fire, and there were four four small rooms in this base Hamoka. The Lishkas Hatloim is one of those four rooms. So we often assume that the Lishkas Hatloim is just one one square. Rav Adarei Rav Yitzchak says, in fact, the Lishkas Hatloim was a larger chamber 
they kind of extended both towards the northwest corner and the southwest corner. So in fact, it's not actually a contradiction between Meseches Tamid and Meseches Midos. It's just the way the chamber itself was situated. And therefore he says, If you're coming from the north, the chamber has the appearance as if it's situated in the south. And if you're coming from the south, it has the appearance ultimately again as if it is situated in the north. So I will say so again. Uh, thank you, Tamashi, for for going ahead and uh, and and uh, and sending out these pictures. So if you see it on the WhatsApp chat again, it's a picture number forty-one. So you could see as of when we first started out, we assumed. Right, I'll show it to you on the, on the larger base Hamikdash map a little bit later because right now we're not that base Hamikdash map. Reflects the reflects the conclusion of this discussion right now in the Havamina is picture number forty one. So we'll say you could see over here that the Lishka Satalaim, the Havamina was that it was situated in a corner. Now we're saying it's actually pulled out a little bit. So that's why again, depending where you're coming from, sometimes it looks like it's in the northwest corner, and sometimes it looks like it's in the southwest corner. So the Gemara says Umistabra. And ultimately, again, I will say, but it seems to be clear that it was really situated in the southwest corner. The Yomar says, Mimai, now how do I know that it was really situated in the southwest corner? So I'll say, this is very interesting. Because I will say, as we're going to see, there's another interesting machlokas as to where the chamber of the Lechem HaPonim was situated. Remember again, the Lechem HaPonim was made in a particular chamber. Where was that chamber? So we'll say, so just so you should know, this is, Rashi points out that this is a machlokas between Meseches Midos and Meseches Tamid. Now we'll say, here's what everyone agrees with. The, the, both the Lishkas HaTalayim as well as the chamber of what we call Lishkas Lechem HaPonim, with Lechem HaPonim, was situated in Beis Hamoka. So we'll say, so remember, if you're, if you're looking at this picture, if you're looking at this picture over here, which was the one that we sent, that Moshe sent out yesterday in the chat. So we, just so you understand, we are, we are focused on this square over here. This square over here, which again is labeled as Lamed Hay, you can see on the key, Lamed Hay is Beis Hamoka. So it's this square over here. The, the, all the chambers in today's discussion are situated in this square. So remember again, in here I have the Lishkas HaTzeloim, the chamber where the lambs were kept. In here I also have the chamber of the Lechem HaPonim. Now the Gemara says as follows. What the Gemara now posits, what the Gemara posits as follows, that we have a dispute between Meseches Midos and Meseches Tamid as to where exactly the chamber of the Lechem HaPonim was situated. According to Meseches Midos, so the chamber of the Lechem HaPonim was situated in the southeast corner of the base Hamoka, that square, right? The say this is called the square over here, this Lamed Hay, this is called the base Hamokad. This, this whole square is called the base Hamokad. So the Gemara, and remember, why is it called base Hamokad? Because there was a fire that was burning inside of it. In fact, you'll see there's like a circle in the middle of the square of Lamed Hay. That circle is supposed to represent the fire. There's, the, there's that broken line, because remember, for the base Hamokad, part of it was in the Kodesh, and part of it was in the Chol. So when it comes to Lechem HaPonim, we have a Machlokis where the Lishkas Lechem HaPonim is. Is it in the southeast of the Beis HaMokad or in the northeast of the Beis HaMokad? And the Gemara says, Mishaninon, Mishaninon, Amar Afun Abrid Rav Yoshua, Mar Kachoshiv Derech Yomim, Umar Kachoshiv Derech Smol. And the way we resolve that is, 
Interestingly enough, everything depends on your orientation. Everything depends on how you are walking around the base Hamokad. If you go Derech Yamin, Derech Yamin means you go from left to right. And Derech Small means you go right to left. So we'll say again, in the pictures that Maishi pointed out, again, this is picture number 42. Picture number 42. So depending ultimately, again, which direction you would be circling around the base Hamokad, that would determine your view of the orientation of the base Lishkas, the, the, the Lishkas Lechem upon him. Whether it's the southeast or whether it's the northeast, ultimately, again, depending on whether or not you're walking, you're circling to the right or you are circling to the left. Picture number 42. So says the Gemara, Amud Beis, Amud Beis, I Amrit Bishlama, Bimma'aravis Duromis. See, if you say that Halachalamaisa, Delishkas Hatiloim was really in the southwest corner. So we'll say, remember again, this is now, this is now picture 43. See, if you say Delishkas Hatiloim was really in the southwest corner, then ultimately again, the Gemara says, Then you could go ahead and answer up the stira between Midos and Tamid and Indeed, you could say the southeast, northeast machlokes of the lishkas lechem upon him is not really a machlokes. It's just a question of whether you're walking right or whether you're walking left. But if you say that the lishkas hatloim was in the northwest, high sof sof to the lechem upon him. Then I will say, how do you reconcile the machlokes regarding the, regarding the direction? Of the Lishkas Lechem upon him. Elalav Shmamina, Bimaravis Duromis Havi Shmamina. Rather, ultimately, again, what you have to say is that Halachalamaisa, the Lishkas Hatiloim, was really situated in the southwest corner. And indeed, this is the conclusion of the Gemara. And in fact, if we go back now, to the to the base Hamikdash map, uh, to the base Hamikdash map, and we're looking over here in Lamehe. So remember again, Lamehe being our base Hamoka. So we'll say, so just to be clear, the entire square in Lamehe is called the base Hamoka. And you could see now the Halokha of the arrangements of the, of the Lishko. So we'll say, so you have over here, so Lamed, Lamed, Lamed Vav, Lamed Vav is the, is the Lishkas, right. So Lamed Vav, so we'll say, so kind of going around this way. So this top, this top one over here, this is the chamber. In which they would, in which they housed the stones from the mizbeach that were broken down during the days of the Hashmonaim. Right, there was Hashmonaim come back to the second base Hamikdash. They find that the mizbeach has been used for idolatrous service. Can't use it again for the service of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. They, bra- they they smash it. They break the stones, but you can't throw out the stones. So they house it in this chamber. So that's chamber well, chamber Lamid Vav. Top top. I guess from, if you're looking at the map, top right. Beneath that, Rabbi say is Lamed Zayin, and you can see on the key over here. Ultimately, Lamed Zayin Lishkas Lechem Aponim, right? So, so bottom, bottom right, bottom right is the chamber in which they go, in which they bake Lechem Aponim. Lamed Ches on the top left is the chamber that they would use to descend into the subterranean mikvah underneath the base Hamikdash, and then Rabbi say bottom left Lamed Tes is the Lishkas Hatelaim. So Rabbi say that that bottom left Rabbi say is the southwest 
corner. So indeed, what we see is that Halacha Lamaisa, the Lishkas Hatilaim was situated, again, you can see it over here, Lishkas Hatilaim was situated on the bottom, bottom southwest corner of the base Hamokad. So that is indeed Halacha Lamaisa. So now you know this, so this, what I just showed you over here is the Halacha Lamaisa of the layout of the base Hamokad. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Says the Gemara. Gemara Bose goes back to an interesting fact over here. So the Gemara says, one second. So we'll say, normally, remember again, beforehand, the Gemara quoted the Machlokas about the location of the Lishkas Lechem Hapanim. Was it in the southeast of the Beis Hamokad or the northeast of the Beis Hamokad? And the Gemara says, in fact, it's not really Machlokas. Everything depends on just what? Are you circling the Beis Hamokad right to left or left to right? So the Gemara says, left to right, or excuse me, I should say right to left, we never go, we never, we never, we never, we never lean left, right? We'll say we always go, we just said in the base of English, whenever you, whenever you go somewhere, you always turn to the right, east, right, right, east. And again, we'll say that, that just reflects the general view that, that right always has a dominant chashiva, so dominant importance. So how could the Gemara be suggesting that halacha lamaisa, we're going to go ahead and turn to the left, to which the Gemara says something very simple, the Gemara says, Hanimiri ba'avoda. Yes, when it comes to the avoda of the Kohen Gadol, then yes, you go ahead and what? You always go right towards the east. But this is not talking about avoda. This is the Gemara says, Ahocha chushpana ba'almahu. But say here, chushpana ba'almahu means we're just detailing information. So I will say, so, you know, in terms of trying to reconcile the location of the Lishkas Lechem Aponim, was it in the northeast or southeast? All the Gemara is just saying is it depends how you walk. But it's not, it doesn't mean how you walk for the Avoda. It's just trying to go ahead and give us kind of a tally of the chambers. So when, when we say that right has dominance, right has dominance for substantive things like, like Avoda. But in terms of just going ahead and kind of assembling information of where everything is situated, that we're not, we're not tied to the right for that particular reason. Incredible. So we'll say that... that No, no, no. It, it, you'll look, look on the picture. Everything depends on your orientation, which direction you're coming from. You can see on the, it's easier to highlight it on the picture. You'll see picture 41. I don't know that it's easier to see it on, on that one. I think it's picture, we sent out 41 and 42. Yeah, you could just, you could just see. It's just a question of one, like so many different things in life. It's just a question of which direction you are coming from and what you see first as you circle the base Hamokad. Take a look. It's easier for me to show it to you on the picture than it is for me to explain it outside. Did you see the picture? Yes. Good. So you can see again, depending on how you're circling the base, uh, depending on how you're circling, what you hit first depends on your directional orientation. Again, it's just a question of which chamber you're hitting first as you go around and the relationship of the chambers one to the other. So the Gemara goes like that. Yeah, we'll say, so again, yes, south, southeast is southeast. So we'll say again, but remember how you relate to directions. It's the same way you saw in the, you saw in the two images of the Beis HaMikdash that we saw yesterday, right? Depending on how you situate the image, ultimately depends, determines your directional orientation. So to encircling the chambers, which chamber you end up hitting first, bumping into first, determines your directional orientation as well. Says Digimara. Let's go back there. So the Gemara says as follows. So now we're, we're jumping back a little bit 
into the Mishnah. So the Mishnah says as follows, that the Kohen Gadol, so remember again, we just see so understand how we got into this. So the Gemara is talking, the Mishnah is talking about over here, how Halacha Lamaitzah, the Kohen Gadol does all of the Avodah during the seven days of sequestering. So now, as an aside, the Gemara said, the Kohen Gadol always has the ability to go ahead and what he calls being makriv barosh, which means the Kohen Gadol could come in and do the avodah whenever he pleases, as opposed to all other Kohanim who are part of a rotation. Right? So we'll say you get a mishmar, right? Your, your, your family gets a mishmar, but that mishmar is made up of multiple bate avos. If you're a regular Kohen, you, just, you can't come into the base of English and do the avodah whenever you want, but rather, again, you are assigned your particular time. The Kohen Gadol has the ability to go ahead and do the avodah whenever he wants. Furthermore, he could take whatever sacrificial portions he wants when he wants. Let's analyze. Says the Gemara, Ketzad Makrev Chelik Barosh. What does it mean that the Kohen Gadol is Makrev? What, what does it mean that he has the ability to offer first? So the Gemara says, Amr Ula, very simple. Amr Ula, Zuani Makrev, right? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Amr, Omer, Ola Zuani Makrev, Mincha Zuani Makrev. So we'll say, for example, Kohen Gadol walks into the base Hamikdash, they're about to offer up an Ola, and he says, I want to offer up this Ola. So he says, I want to offer up this Ola, or I want to offer up this Mincha. So he'll say he has the right to do so. Simple as that. He walks into the base of Mikdash. He could claim the right to go ahead and offer up whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Ketzad notal chelik barosh. So we'll say here it becomes a little bit more complicated. What does this mean that he takes first portion? What does that mean? Omer chatos zu ani ochel. Asham zu ani ochel. So we'll say he could walk in and let's say the Kohanim were offering up a chatos. He could say... I'm eating this chatos. I'm eating this chatos. Or I'm eating this asham. So literally, he can go ahead and take any sacrificial portion he wants. Venotel chalo mishte chalos. Now, this is very interesting. Now, the, the, remember, the shte alechem over here that they're referencing is the special carbon of Shavuos. Of Shavuos. So he's permitted to say there are two loaves that are opened up, offered up. The coin Gadol is permitted to go ahead and take one of those loaves. So we'll say, now interestingly enough, what we're going to get into, it, well, let's see it. And he could take, take up to four or five loaves of the Lechem Aponim. Now, let's remember again, how many Lechem Aponim loaves are there? Twelve. So here we're saying there's Shtei Lechem, he could take one loaf from, from the offering of Shavuos, and he could take either four or five loaves of the Lechem Aponim. So let's analyze this. Rebbe Omer, the Olam Chamesh. Rebbe says, no, in reality, he's actually permitted to take five loaves. Always permitted to take five loaves of the Lechem HaPanim. Shnei Amar, the Aaron Ulubanov. The Pasuk says that the Lechem HaPanim will be for Aaron and his sons. So we'll say, what does it do? It's actually fascinating drasha. It equates Aaron and his sons. Mechzal the Aaron, when it comes to Lechem HaPanim, half goes to Aaron and half goes to his son. So therefore, Rebbe's understanding half is five. We'll discuss why that is in a little bit. So we'll say, Hagufa Kasha. So we'll say, it seems to be, the way you're analyzing this is a little bit contradictory. Why? Amrit notel chala achas mishte chalos. Money rebi. So we'll say, we're going to see now, let me tell you this outside a little bit for just a moment. We're going to see now an interesting discussion. As everyone agrees that a Kohen Gadol, just like he's permitted to be makriv barosh, He's permitted to do any avodi once he gets preferential treatment as to which avodi he's allowed to do. So halacha lamaisa, halacha lamaisa is noto chilek barosh. 
he's also permitted to go ahead and, and take whatever he wants first. So we'll say, interestingly enough, now there's a machlokas, how much is he permitted to take? Rebbe's going to say, a Kohen Gadol is permitted to take up to half. Whatever, whatever it is that he's taking, he's permitted to take up to 50%. And I will say, Rebbe's logic in that is, based on the Pasuk of Lechem Aponim, the heist of the Aaron of Bonov. Whatever, right, whatever Aaron's sons get, Aaron gets half. Aaron gets half, right? Kohanim get half, Aaron get half. So Rebbe holds, he's permitted to take up to half. The Rabbanon say, a little bit less than half. A little bit less than half. So that's, gonna, that's going to be the Machlokis. So watch this. So now says the Gemara, the price you just quoted is contradictory. Why? Amrit, notal chala achos mishte chalos. Because also when the Gemara spoke about the shtei the two loaf offering of, of Shavuos, how much is the coin permitted to take? How much? One loaf, which is 50%. Exactly 50%. However, money, Rebbe, whose opinion does that reflect? That's Rebbe. That's Rebbe, that a coin gold is permitted to take half. So the Gemara says, Damar Palgo Shokil, Rebbe holds coin gold takes 50%. Eimam et Siyasa, you know, say, what do we say about the Lechem upon him? Right? How much is the coin, how much is the coin gold permitted to take by the Lechem upon him? Arba Ochamisha. You know, say, what's Arba Ochamisha? Arba Ochamisha, Mesa Lechem upon him. Asan Rabbanon. That reflects the view of the Rabbanon, because what did the Rabbanon say? The Amri, Lo Shokil Palga. The Rabbanon say, say, as we're going to see, that halacha l'maysa, a coin gadol can't take a full half, he could take a little bit less than a half. So I'll say, so you see the problem over here? In one price, you're telling me when it comes to the loaves of the shteh halechem, the coin could take one loaf, 50%. That's the opinion of Rebbe, that a coin gadol is permitted to always take up to 50%. Then you're telling me about lechem abanim, he could take four or five. Then we'll say, one thing is clear. Now, why four why, or five? We'll discuss that. But four or five is what? Is what? Less than half. That's the view of the Rabbanon. And here's the problem. Seifa ema seifa. What's the end of the b'risa? Rabbi Omer of the Olam Chamesh. Rabbi says, no, by the lechem upon him, you could always take five. So we'll say, understand how this b'risa is structured. Reisha mitziyasa Rabbanon. I'm sorry. Reisha v'seifa Rabbi mitziyasa Rabbanon. Are you going to tell me then that the way the b'risa is set up is that the first part and the last part of the b'risa are reflective of the view of Rabbi. And the middle part is reflective of the view of the Rabbanon. It sounds like a strange way to set up a b'risa. To which the Gemara says, no. Amriya, Amra Baye, Reisha, Mitzyasa, Rabbanon. So in reality, both the Reisha and the Mitzyasa. So we'll say, so remember, the Reisha that says that by the Shtei HaLechem of Shavuos, the Kohen takes one loaf. That's also reflective of the view of the Rabbanon. But why is that? I will say, how much do the Rabbanon say a Kohen God could take? How much? Less than a half. So if he's allowed to take a full loaf, is that not 50%? That's not the view of the Rabbanon, that's the view of Rebbe. How can you say the view of Rabbanon? I'll say, watch this. So we'll say, this is incredible. Even the Rabbanon will agree by the Shtei Alechem that the Kohen Gadol takes a full, one full loaf. Why? Because they will say, what's the only other option if he's not going to take a full loaf? Break it. And it's not bakavadik to the Kohen Gadol to give him a broken loaf. So we'll say, interestingly enough, even the Rabbanon will agree that by the Shtei HaLechem, the Kohen Gadol gets one whole loaf, even though he's not, really he's not entitled to it. Really, he should get less than a whole loaf. But because it's not Bakavadik to the Kohen Gadol to give him less than a whole loaf, therefore, Halach HaLemaisa, you give him a full loaf. So therefore, I will say, so, so therefore, really everything is reflecting the view of the Rabbanon, except the last, except the last part. So the Rabbanon will say by Shtei HaLechem, he gets one loaf. By the lechem upon him, how much does he get? According to the Rabbanon, four or five loaves. And then Rebbe comes along and says, no, 
he always gets five loaves. Fine. So let's talk about the loaves. Top of Yudches. Umay arba uchamish l'rabbanon. Right? Umay arba uchamish. Shavuot say, what, what do you mean four or five loaves? So first of all, say, what does that mean? Is it four or is it five? That, that, that's question number one. What do you mean four or five? That's number one. And I will say, again, whose opinion is this reflecting? So watch this. L'rabbanon da amri nichnas notel sheish. Diyotse notel sheish. Uschar hagafas delosos lo. So listen to this. The Rabbanon hold that the way the Lechem Apanam was split up was as follows. You had 12 loaves. 12 loaves. So we'll say, how were the 12 loaves split up? Six went to the outgoing group of Kohanim. Six were given to the incoming group of Kohanim. And there were no additional loaves dispensed for the people whose job it was to open and close the doors. Okay, so, 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 so therefore again, according to the Rabbanon, it's a straight split. Six to the incoming Mishmar, six to the outgoing Mishmar. Kohen Godlo, according to the Rabbanon, always what? Gets how much? What's according to the Rabbanon? Gets what? Gets what? Less than half. So what's less? So, so, so again, so essentially the way we look at Lechem so what's a little bit less than half? Ultimately, again, it's going to be five. It's going to be five. So therefore, according to the, according to the Rabbanon, in a normal situation... Incoming shift gets six, outgoing shift gets six, and Kohen Gadol ultimately again, and as well say, obviously, that, that'll mean, you know, the, 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 the incoming and outgoing will go ahead and divide up the remaining loaves, but Kohen Gadol will ultimately take five loaves. Good. That's the Rabbanon. So we'll say, sorry, I'm sorry, let, let me clarify that once more. The way you would normally set up the division of the loaves, if let's say the Kohen Gadol was not present, would be six to the incoming, six to the outgoing. So the Gemara says, the Rabbanon hold that when the Kohen Gadol is there, how much does he get? How much does he get? A little bit less than half. So what's a little bit less than half of 12? Right? Five. That's it. So again, obviously if the Kohen Gadol is there, each shift is not getting six. If the Kohen Gadol is there, the Kohen Gadol will get his five, and then the shifts will go ahead and divide up the remaining loaves amongst themselves. The Rabbi Huda, the Amar Nichnas, Notel Shava, and I will say, now watch this. So that, that's the sheet of Drabana. So that's where the number five comes from when it comes to Lechem Haponim. So on a regular, on a regular week, on a regular week, Kohen Gadol is going to get a little bit less than half. That's the sheet of Drabanon. Therefore, I'll get five loaves. The Rabbi Huda, the Amar, and I say, now watch this. Now we're going to see, this is also subject to a general machlokas about how the loaves were divided. Now, according to Rabbi Huda, he holds the Amar Nichnas Notel Sheba. Listen to this. He holds the incoming, the incoming group gets seven. Right? Nichnas Notel Sheba. Shtaim Bishar Hagafas Delosos. And two of those loaves, we both say, were given as extra compensation for the Kohanim who worked the doors. And I was about to say, so part of the Kohanic responsibilities during that week was to open and close the doors. So apparently, again, according to Rabbi Yehuda, extra lechem hapanim was given to those who had to toil a bit more for the opening and the closing of the doors. The Yotze Notel Chamesh, so I will say, so remember again, so therefore, the, in, the, the, in, the outgoing shift, or I should say the incoming shift, will get seven. The outgoing shift will take five. So the Gemara says, Me'eser Bo'i Miflag. So we'll say, interestingly enough, so remember, we'll say, what the Gemara is doing is as follows. The Gemara is showing us 
how the division of Lechem upon him would happen on a regular week if the Kohen Gadol were not present. So according to the Rabbanon, it's a simple, it's a simple 50% division. Incoming shift gets six. Outgoing shift gets six. There is no additional Lechem upon him that is given to the Kohanim who had to work the doors, who had to control the opening and closing of the doors. Kohen Gadol gets a little bit less than half. And therefore, according to the Rabbanon, the Kohen Gadol gets Five loaves if he's present. According to according to Rabbi, according I'm sorry, according to Rabbi Huda, I'm sorry. Rabbi Huda has an interesting split. He holds that the loaves were split in a seven-five split. Seven-five split. Why seven-five? Seven going ultimately again. Now, really, really, what it means is two were allocated ultimately again to the Kohanim who opened and closed the doors, and then really the pool that you have to split between the two shifts was how much? Ten. 10, 5 and 5. So therefore, I will say, when calculating the portion of the Kohen Gadol, what do we take? We take the two off the top, right? Because the two that were allocated to the Kohen who worked the doors, those are not part of anyone's division. Those are just taken out of the, off the top. Therefore, according to Rabbi Yehuda, you really only have 10 loaves for division. Only 10 loaves for division. Apparently, again, Rabbi Yehuda holds like the Rabbanon, that the Kohen Gadol gets a little bit less than half, and therefore a little bit less than half of 10 is 4. Right, because you also remember again, based on the Gemara before, we're not giving the Kohen Gadol partial loaves, we're only going to give him whole loaves. So both say, this is the fundamental machloka. So therefore, again, when the Bryce says, when it comes to upon him, sometimes you give him four, sometimes you give him five, it's reflective of two different opinions. Again, one more time, according to the opinion, ultimately, again, of the Rabbanon, the Rabbanon will say, Lechem upon him is a pool of 12. It's a pool of 12. Half comes to, goes to the incoming shift, half goes to the outgoing shift. When determining the portion of the Kohen Gadol, we will go ahead and give him a little bit less than half, and therefore we give him five. Rabbi Yehuda, was say, interesting enough, also agrees with the Rabbanon, that the Kohen Gadol always gets a little bit less than half, but Rabbi Yehuda has a different division of Lechem upon him. Why? He takes two off the top as the payment for the Kohanim who took care of the doors. Therefore, for division purposes, there's only a pool of, only a pool of ten. So normally, again, five to the incoming shift, to the outgoing shift, if the coin Gadol is there, we give him a little bit less than half, which is four. Good. Says, Rava Amar, Kulu Rabihi. Rava says, no. In fact, this entire section reflects the view of Rabbi. Now, I will say, remember again, what does Rabbi hold? Rabbi holds, coin Gadol gets half. Kohen Gadol, not less than half, coin Gadol gets half. So the Gemara says, I, one second. But according to Rabbi, then how much Lechem Aponim should you get, really? Six. Well, so I will say, so maybe six or maybe, or maybe five. Right? What does it depend on? It depends ultimately again on whether or not you remove two loaves from the top to pay the Kohanim, to give to the Kohanim who worked the doors. But, for, but it's for sure not what number. What number does it come into, what does it come into the equation? Four. Four. Right? So the Gemara says like this. Rava Amar Kula Rebihi. Besavar Lak Rabbi Huda. Rava says, Rebi, hold like Rabbi Huda. What does Rabbi Huda hold? Rabbi Huda holds that two loaves are taken off the top. Right? According to Rabbi Huda, Two loaves are removed from the, from the division because those two loaves go to the Kohanim who work the door. So you're only dealing with a pool of ten. But at the end of the day, why four? Why four? The coin ultimately again should be entitled to at least five. So the Gemara says, Lokasha, this is actually very interesting. So listen to this. Every, sometimes, sometimes you would have a mishmar that would need to stay on. I will say, take a look at Rashi for just a moment. This is really quite interesting. So why does it say four? 
Sometimes Yom Tov falls out on a Monday. So we'll say you would have sometimes the following situation. Where let's say Yom Tov falls out on a Monday. Now we'll say Yom Tov falls out on a Monday. So remember again, the Mishmar doesn't need to come. Remember on Yom Tov all the Mishmaros are on. Right, all the all the mishmaros serve on yamim tovim. So sometimes what would happen is if yamta fell out on a Monday, a mishmar would already come on erev Shabbos, right? To, just to make sure to be to be there on time. Or misakivat haregel shekala mishmaros baos beregel. So I'll say so again. Sometimes yamta will fall out on a Monday, and nevertheless you'd have a larger number of mishmaros already assembling as of erev Shabbos, as of erev Shabbos to be there on time. Or sometimes Yom Tov itself, or Matzah Yom Tov, would be Erev Shabbos. V'hamishmoros holchos them common be Erev Shabbos. V'yesh mishmar, shemis akiv sham ad Matzah Shabbos. So we'll say, what it's saying is as follows. Sometimes Yom Tov begins on a Monday, but Mishmoros would show up early on Friday. And sometimes Yom Tov ends on Thursday night, but you'd have Mishmoros that would remain in the basement, which would remain in Yushalayim until Matzi Shabbos. Maybe they couldn't get home in time, whatever it was. Utam Mesechasukh, Utam Mesechasukh, Shabbos, Shabbosoch HaRegel, Hayukola Mishmoros, Shabbos, Bechiluk Lechem Aparim. I will say Shabbos in the midst of Yom which I guess we would call Shabbos Chalamayid. Shabbos Chalamayid. Or if, if, uh, if you would go, yeah, we'll call Shabbos Chalamayid, or for that matter, if, if Shavuos falls out on Shabbos. So we'll say when all of the Mishmoros are there, they all have equal opportunity in the Lechem HaParim. V'chein Yom Tov HaSamach L'Shabbos. So Tzabah say, if Yom Tov falls out close to Shabbos, Bein Yilafanah, Shein Yecholon Lashu B'Shabbos L'Mkaman, Bein L'Acharesh HaKarachan, Hein Maktiv and Lava Me'er of Shabbos, Hayu Kala Mishmoros Shavos Bechiluk Lechem HaParim. Shari Al Karachan Shohin Sham. So we'll say, now watch this. Vahare Hi Ki Shabbos Shabbosoch HaRegel. So we'll say, I just want to point out what's happening over here. So here's what we have. On the Regalim, on the Yom Tovim, all of the Kohanim came to the base of Mikdash to serve. Okay? Therefore, Shabbos that fell out during Yom Tiv, or Yom Tiv that fell out on Shabbos, let's say Shabbos Chalamayit Sukkis, Shabbos Chalamayit Pesach, or Shavuos that falls out on Shabbos, all the Mishmoros are there. And because they're all there, they all get to share in the Lechem Hapanim. Which makes sense. They're all there. All get to share lechem upon him. However, Rashi says. However, chal yom echad lahafzik bein saim omil lefanel kigon shekala moed bechamishi b'shabbos omi acharash hischamoy b'sheni b'shabbos lo hayom lahem lahaktim lavo mipnei hashabbos inon shavos ela mishmar hamis akiv b'shabbos bein bein shu mishmar echad bein shu mishmar as harbe notol shteichalus. Listen to this. So if, if all the Mishmoros were supposed to be there on Shabbos, then everyone shares in the Lechem HaPanim equally. But I will say, what happens if a number of Mishmoros are there, but they don't have to be there? I will say, what does it mean they don't have to be there? For example, for example, Yom Tiv doesn't start until Monday, but Kohanim is Hain, and they showed up on when? On Friday. Or... Yom Tiv was over on Thursday, but the Mishmaros decided to still stay for Shabbos. In that case, the Mishmaros who stayed, but did not need to stay, only get to share in two of the 12 loaves. And the remaining 10 loaves 
get divided up between the Mishmaros who are supposed to be there. So the Gemara suggests over here, that's what it means when sometimes it says four, sometimes it means five. Ultimately, again, it's dependent on whether or not there are other Mishmaros who are staying. Ultimately, again, if there are other Mishmaros who are staying, those additional Mishmaros who don't have to be there, but I want to be clear, when the Mishmar has no, when the Mishmaros have no choice but being there, for example, Shabbos Chalamai, then everyone shares Nechma upon him equally. But when the Mishmaros happen to be there, not because they have to be there, but because, again, Halacha Lamaisa, they're coming early or they're staying late, they only get to share in two of the loaves, but the remaining ten loaves ultimately are split up amongst the standing Mishmaros. So the Gemara therefore says, that's what it means, sometimes four, sometimes five, Again, depending on how many Mishmoros ultimately were staying inside of the Beis HaMikdash. Good. So the Gemara says, one second. Iika Mishmar HaMesakev Mishmona Bay LeMiflag. But one second. If, if, so therefore the Gemara says as follows. If there are additional Mishmoros who are staying, then in reality, in reality, Allah Chalamayim there's only eight loaves in the pool that are left. And therefore the Kohen Gadol V'Shakal Arba. Ileka Mishmar HaMesakev Me'eser Bay LeMiflag V'Shakil Chamesh. Sefer will say again, if there are Mishmaros who are staying, we'll say, so remember again, let's bring this all together. So it could be that this reflects the view of Rebbe. But Rebbe holds of who? Rebbe holds like who? Rebbe Huda. So we'll say, so watch this. So what does Rebbe Huda hold? Rebbe, does Rebbe Huda hold? That in general, when dividing up Lechem Aparim, what do you remove from the top? Two. Why? To give to the Kohanim, ultimately again, who are in charge of the doors. So therefore, I will say, it's therefore, you're taking two off the top. So if there are no other Mishmaros that are staying, just the Mishmaros who are supposed to be there, so you have a pool of how many loaves? Ten. Ten. The coin gets, coin Godel gets half according to Rebbe, therefore it'll get five loaves. However, if there are other Mishmaros who are staying there, then I'll say what effectively happens, this is fascinating, you get two that are removed from the top for the Kohanim taking care of the doors, then what? Two more removed for the Kohanim who stayed over, which only gives you a division pool of eight, which then give the coin Gadol his half, which is four. So if I will say, it's really fascinating. And that's the, as the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, my Rebbe Omer, the Olam Chamesh. So therefore I will say, if that's the case, then why does Rebbe say the coin Gadol always gets five? That's not true. Even according to Rebbe, there could be a situation where the coin Gadol only gets four, Kashya. In fact, that is a good question. So I will say, what's fascinating about this is as follows. We have a number of, so really, two fundamental machloksim over here. Machlokis, the man of is, how much does the coin God will get? Right? So how much does he get? Does he get like Rebbe, 50%? Or does he get like the Rabbanon what? How much? How much? A little less than 50%. That's machlokis number one. Machlokis number two is in the division of the Lechem upon him, do you take two loaves off the top to give to the Kohanim who are in charge of the doors. That's another machlok. It's Rabbi Huda and the Rabbanon. The Rabbanon say nothing special given to the Kohanim in charge of the doors. Rabbi Huda says ultimately what? Two, two off the top given to, given to the, given to the Kohanim who deal with the doors. Therefore, I will say, when you look at the machlok, Rabbanon and Rabbi Huda, the Rabbanon will say you have a pool of 12. Kohen Gadol gets a little bit less than half. And therefore, if he's there, how many loaves does he get? Five. According to Rabbi Yehuda, so I'll say according to Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda will also agree he gets a little bit less than 50%. But according to Rabbi Yehuda, he will say you really only have a pool of 10 because two are given off the top to the are in charge of the doors. Therefore, Kohen Gadol walks away with four. Then Rabbi said, the Gemara comes along, what about the sheet of Rebbe? Now, this is fascinating. Now, Rebbe, remember again, Rebbe holds 
That holds 50%. But Rebbe also holds like Rebbe Huda, namely that two come off the top for the carnum in charge of doors. But Rebbe now throws in another variable. What's the other variable? If you have a situation where because of the proximity of Yom Tov to Shabbos, right, you have additional Mishmoros who are there, the division of the Lechem Panam will also look different. But it, what does it depend on? It depends on whether or not those additional Mishmoros need to be there for Shabbos. If all of the Mishmoros need to be there, then how does the division take place? All Kohanim divide all of the bread. But if you have a situation where the additional Mishmoros are there, but they don't have to be there, they don't have to be there, then ultimately, again, the division will look differently. So we'll say, watch this. If all the Kohanim have to be there, then all Kohanim go ahead and share in the bread equally. And what's the portion of the Kohen Gadol? According to Rebbe, is going to be five. Because Rebbe agrees with Rabbi Huda that you separate out two loaves from the top, so there's only a pool of ten, but Rebbe holds the Kohen Gadol gets 50%, which ultimately is five. But it will say, watch this. If you have a situation where there are additional Mishmaros who came early or stayed late, but they didn't have to. For example, Yom is not starting till Monday. Till Monday. But they decided to come Erev Shabbos. Or Yom was over on Thursday. And they decided to stay for Shabbos. In that case, we'll allocate two additional loaves. Two loaves. To the, to the tarrying Mishmar. To the Mishmar that came early or stayed late. And therefore we'll say in that model, according to Rabbi, how many loaves do you have left in the pool? How many loaves? Eight, right? Because remember again, two off the top for the Kohanim in charge of the doors, two now for the Kohanim who are tarrying, a division pool left of eight, Kohen Gadol ultimately again will get four. We'll say, how do we paskin? So the Rambam paskins like Rebbe, that Kohen Gadol gets 50%. That's what it means. When we, so when we say, when we say, Kohen Notal Chilek Barosh, that the Kohen Gadol ultimately again takes his portion first, we paskin like Rebbe, that Kohen Gadol takes Rabbi will say, obviously, that 50% is going to depend ultimately on how the pool itself is situated. Rabbi will say, let's begin the next Mishnah. We have, uh, we have another minute or two. We can go ahead. Rabbi say, incredible, incredible, incredible sugya. Says the Mishnah. Masrulo, zikenim zikne beizin. So Rabbi will now the Mishnah says as follows. Really incredible. The Mishnah says that, still, remember, we're, we're fully focused now on the topic of sequestering, right? This is all about sequestering. So now both say, let's understand what we've done. We've established that he's sequestered for seven days. Where is he sequestered? Little Chazara? Lishka Parhedrin. Excellent. Very good. Right? What, what happens during the seven days? We've already established. What is this? So step one, what is he doing during the seven days? Learning. Right? He's doing all of the daily avoda. Right? They will say that, remember again, just based on what we've seen, he's doing all of the daily avod, which means he's offering the tamid, he's offering the kitores, right? And by the way, once he's in the Beis Hamikdash, the Gemara tells us, notel chelik parosh, or I should say, note, what was the Lashon? Um, in addition to all the other avodos that's happening. So the only avoda they make him do every day is the tamid and the kitores. But once he's there, any other avod that he wants to do, he has the right to do so. Furthermore, he could take any sacrificial part he desires. So the Gemara now says, now I will say we get into it a little bit more. Masrulo zekinim yizikte beizdin. So I will say, what else happens? They give him teachers. They give the Kohen Gadol teachers. Zekinim yizikne beizdin. Ultimately, again, the, the oldest, most venerated sages. They call in the fun of Besedra Hayom. And they teach him the avoda of Yom Kippur. Literally, again, go through with him, Parashas Achremos. So they go through Parashas Achremos with the Kohen Gadol, but Omrim Lo, they say to him, 
Ishikot, and we'll say, you know what, actually, we'll, we'll stop over here, okay? We'll pick up Amir Sashem with the Mishnah tomorrow. We'll say, incredible Yashikai. Yeah.